Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. We're going to focus and study on God's word to understand God's word to look at how we must apply God's word to our daily life. Sometimes we wonder, you know, does God's word have relevance from a Monday to a Saturday? Sunday yes in the church God's word, but Monday to Saturday does God's word work? Is it relevant? Well, the answer is absolutely and and we must learn to make God's work relevant in our life by learning and then practicing it and putting those principles to work. God's word is not only beautiful, God God's word makes life beautiful. When we you and I practice God's word, we see that it will bear fruit in our life. In my own life, God's word had tremendous effect on me. You know, English is a foreign language for me. Our mother tongue is not English. So, uh for me when I started this English church 25 years ago, 21 years old, I, well, 21 is not old, but anyway. So, <laughs> 21 years of age. So, uh it was very difficult, you know. I found it very hard because I I'm not a good speaker in English. I didn't get, I I found it hard to uh I songs I don't know English songs I had to learn English songs I had to learn English because I grew up in a uh vernacular community I grew up in a uh my school I studied in a government school so that was mostly Hindi you know Hindi was your functional language operational language and so <clears throat> English was difficult for me as a preacher and a bible last week i was in uh, another city preaching and they they asked me uh, which part of america which university did you uh, graduate from <laughs> so i looked at him and i said why <laughs> so he said yeah yeah so that pastor said uh, because your english is so good so i told him yeah i have graduated from bangalore so he said but that's not america i said yeah <laughs> and i told him i said If you think I'm speaking good English then how did you even doubt I went to America because Americans don't speak good English I mean half the time what they say no one understands but <laughs> but anyway anyway uh, I I found it very hard to catch the language so God's word actually helped me a lot another problem was uh, I went through a lot of difficulties like I was 21 you know just few people in church four or five i stand up and preach one uncle one day got up and walked out i call him uncle today i don't i call him by name but those days i was 21 so i looked at anything older than me as uncle and auntie you know our indian way of handling it you know so uh, i felt so bad because as this gentleman was walking out he said who will go to this church this is not a church it's a clinic He told me you look like one doctor and few patients in front of you. 
I was so slim. One man told me, you look like a salesman. I used to pray. Today, I regret those prayers. <laughs> those days, I used to pray, God, make me bigger. I want to look like a pastor. I sincerely prayed, brothers, sisters, when you pray, think about the effect it will have on you. Now, every morning, I'm walking five kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> you can pray yourself into something you can never walk out of. So, <laughs> so think before you pray because God answers prayers. Living proof. So, <laughs> so I used to pray, God, I want to look bigger. I want to look, you know, like a pastor because no one respects me as a pastor. I felt so bad. And even young people, you know, hey, hi, John, how are you? I felt so bad. Call me pastor. No one called me pastor. Hey, John, Johnson, how are you doing? I feel so angry. But I can't tell them also, no? I'll just smile. But in my heart, I'll be so angry. Then I started to study the word of God. And God's word really began to encourage me. Because I used to feel people don't value me because I'm not old enough and they think I'm not matured enough. This portion in the Bible, Psalm 119, it hit me so strong. It says, I have more wisdom than my ancestors, than my mentors, because your word is in my heart. It really hit me strong. And I, I remember underlining that scripture in two, three Bibles that I had. And I said, man, this is God, this is your word. I don't have to actually grow old to be matured. In fact, some people grow old and never mature. So, you know, sometimes age comes alone. So, <laughs> sometimes I speak good English, you know. But anyway, the point, <laughs> the point I'm making is, I learned that it is, it is God's word that can actually help us grow. And age is a blessing, of course, but age need not be the reason for blessing. God's word can be the reason of your blessing. Another scripture in 1 John, the Bible says, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and therefore you don't need any man to teach you. His Holy Spirit will teach you. These words literally built me on the inside. On the outside, I continued to be skinny and good-looking until I got married. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not blaming my wife for my good looks today. But what I'm saying is that uh, <laughs> once you're married, you don't, you don't care because it's over, no? So, <laughs> what am I preaching? Okay. Anyway. So, <laughs> no, but real life, no? So, sometimes I see married people walking around with cooling glass and I wonder, how I am, you know? So, yeah, but wear your cooling glass, it's good. Shades are good. So, God's word has a strong effect in us where we grow, where we change. And it really transforms us, amen? It really changes us. And this month, we want to study God's word. God's word transforms us. It changes us. And God's word has a way of reshaping us. Why? Because sometimes we lose shape. God's word has a way of renewing us. Because sometimes we lose our newness. God's word has a way of reviving us. Because sometimes we lose our vitality. 
And so God's word works on us again and again. And we must submit to God's word. The greatest amen you can give to God's word is not just shouting amen, but submitting to change according to God's word. That's the greatest response we can give to God's holy word. And I love this passage in the Holy Bible. Today, as we start studying about God's word, this is one passage I love in the Bible. It's one of my favorite. We all have favorites, don't we? Jeremiah chapter 18 was one on which. Shall we read together? And the word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the... Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. And God was telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. One of the things we must understand is a porter works with his hands. If you want to see the fingerprint of God on you, submit to the word of God. God shapes us by his word. This passage is so interesting also because in Jeremiah chapter 18, God says to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house there, I'll speak with you. I have a question, God. Since you're already talking, why don't you just continue? Why do I have to go to the potter's house? Already you're talking to me. You're telling me to go to the potter's house. So instead of me going there, why don't you just go ahead and talk the rest over here? No, sometimes God will speak to you in the church for sure. But Monday to Saturday in your secular settings, he continues to speak with you. Many people think that God only speaks on a Sunday. Well, that is so wrong. God does speak on a Sunday, but he continues to speak Monday through Saturday in Pottery Town, in Pottery Lane, in the Potter's House, in very secular circumstances, our God continues to speak. When the his prophet went to the Potter's House, the Potter was working on the wheel. The Potter represents God and the clay represents you and me. And what is really unfortunate yet fascinating is this, that in the hands of the potter, the clay was marred, the clay was deformed, the clay became bad. Well, if it was a casual situation, Jeremiah, I'm sure, was thinking the potter will take the clay and throw it off. This is Johnson type of clay. This is useless. It's hard to work. Let me throw it off. But instead, the potter... He squeezed it again. He mixed it again and began to shape it again. And God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, as long as you stay on the wheel, as long as you stay under my word, as long as you stay listening to my voice, it doesn't matter how many times you spoil things. It doesn't matter how many times you disobeyed. It doesn't matter how many times you sinned. I will reshape you again and again and again and again. Oh, somebody give him a big thanks. Our God does it again and again 
and again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God has a habit. He will never throw what he picked up. Every office, there is a waste paper basket. In every office, there will be a waste paper basket. There is rarely an office or a house where there is no dustbin. Why? Because somebody is going to write something which is wrong and they have to just, you know, that paper has become useless. In God's office, there are no waste paper baskets. If he writes something, it doesn't matter how bad it is, he will renew it and renew it. He will never throw your life in the garbage. He says, it's precious in my hand. That's the way God works. Hallelujah. Our God is a God of the many chances. Some people sometimes ask a question, is the Holy Spirit still with me? Am I still a child of God? How do I know the Holy Spirit didn't leave me? I want to give you, there are a few answers from the Bible. I want to leave one answer with you today. How do I know the Holy Spirit is still with me? Is there a sign? Yes, there is a sign. If you have a feeling, oh God, I need you. I made a mistake, forgive me. I need to come back. I need your presence. I desire you. If there is that little life pulsating with a desire for God, it's a hundred percent sign that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. 100%. Because our human body, our human mind is so sinful that without the Holy Spirit, there will never be a desire for God. The devil will anyway never put a desire for God in your life. So that desire that comes in you to repent, to come closer to God, to come back and say hello to God or to pray to Him or to worship Him. In any form, when there is something tickling in you, something working in you in the direction of God, it is a sure sign it's the Holy Spirit. Pastor, I feel bad that I'm not close to God. That itself is a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Because if God has thrown you away, even that desire will not be there. And that's why we must understand God's word works in us effectively and powerfully. What does the Bible talk about the word of God? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in Number one, it is God's word. Everybody say God's word. When Johnson speak, it is Johnson's word. When you speak, it is your word. But when a justice, when a judge sits on the seat of uh, authority in the courtroom and speaks, it becomes an edict. It becomes a decree. It becomes an order. It becomes a direction. It becomes a stricture. And governments have to follow it because it has the authority of judiciary behind it. When the captain of an army speaks, when he says a word, that army captain's power is behind that word. When God speaks a word, God's power is behind that word. That's why God's word is important. When God speaks a word, his power is behind that word. Amen. Okay, this is a story I heard and I think it's a true story, but don't ask me, you know, where is the reference for it and all. I don't know the reference. 
many messages I preach, I can't create a bibliography around it, you know. But, but I think this is a true story. It's about Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon, that European uh, warlord who did a lot of wars. Uh, these Europeans keep fighting with each other and we are not getting sunflower oil. See, so much. <laughs> I didn't mean to belittle the situation, but anyway. So Napoleon, uh, 200 years ago or whatever it was, there's a story about him which I think is true. And uh, the story is, one day in his army camp, he was on a horse early in the morning. The first rays of sunlight had not yet really hit the planet, but uh, there was this, uh, this shell-out figure sitting on a horseback. And in, in that semi-darkness, the horse was, you know, galloping around the camp, in the camp, galloping around. So all the army officers came out of their tents and looked and realized it was Napoleon on the horseback. So all the army officers got scared and they understood something is wrong. Otherwise, uh, Napoleon doesn't get up so early in the morning and go around on a horseback galloping. So they got worried and they went inside the tent and all of them were careful not to come out. But they were looking through the slits inside the tent to see what's happening on the outside. There was a corporal, a jawan, a no rank, lowest rank fellow standing as a guard at the sentry. He was standing there. And he saw the Napoleon's horse with Napoleon uh, on the back, you know, uh, riding the horse, but the horse was galloping. And he was also amazed. Why would Napoleon so early in the morning, in the wee hours, uh, do this? So he was just staring. And then he realized something is amiss, something is wrong. He was also scared. But to his amazement, the horse came back another round. This Jawan was a very smart guy. Though he was a lowest ranking uh, fellow, he was the most intelligent fellow. And he understood something is wrong. Third round, fourth round, Napoleon actually sat on the horse thinking when the horse becomes tired, he will stop and that time I will jump off. Actually, horse went mad. So he just sat there trying to balance himself. And what happened is this army officers, all of them were sitting inside, didn't want to come out thinking something is wrong. But this Jawan, this corporal, he knew horse went mad, something is wrong. So what he did, he waited in the corner. When the horse came next round, he leaped on the horse, held it by its bridle. The horse dragged the Jawan and the Jawan, you know, uh, held the horse down until the horse came to a screeching halt. Horse falls down, Napoleon falls down, Jawan gets up with bruises on him, gives Napoleon a helping hand and pulls him up. By this time from the army camp, officers are running out. You know, they are sure this corporal is going to be dead. Nobody stops the horse of the general when the general is riding the horse. And they knew this fellow is a dead man. But the Jawan gave Napoleon a helping hand and Napoleon got up from the fallen condition, just dusted himself, looked at this corporal. Now, Napoleon knows, looking at the uniform, he's the lowest ranking fellow in the whole camp. But you know what Napoleon did? Looked at him and said, thank you, captain. This fellow heard that. He went straight to the tailor shop. <laughs> he went straight to the army tailor and said, Stitch me, captain uniform. Tailor said, for what? Do it right now. 
before evening his new uniform was ready he wore the new uniform of a captain jawan corporal and walked into the captain's officers army uh, supper mess the captains and the officers saw him one of them got up walked up to him and said what a fool you are how dare you wear a captain's uniform who told you he looked at that guy in style and said whoever had to say said so you know this corporal though he was the lowest ranking fellow in the whole army he had the brains to understand if napoleon calls me captain i better change my uniform and get into what he called me because if he calls something his word has authority the problem with many christians is when god says something we say really ya yeah? when god's word comes to you remember it has the authority of god behind it you receive that word you believe that word you get excited about that word you obey that word and you walk in the authority of that word hallelujah all word of god is god's word and given for profit let's say that together it's given for God's word will never lead you to waste. God's word is a profitable word. It leads you to success in life. These days around us we hear so many news of people killing each other. All kinds of madness. What is happening? People are trying to live according to their holy books. That's all what is happening. They are trying to practice what is written in their book. but when you practice what is written in your holy book you will lead a successful and a victorious and a peaceful life because god's word is profitable god's word is profitable god's word is profitable god's word is profitable there's a young lady who used to come to church two weeks ago she came crying with her husband and uh, she shared a story with me in fact today is the first sunday she is not in church with her family they've moved out of bangalore she was crying so i told her catch your breath tell me what happened she and her husband both of them weeping they said their story but she started with hers she said pastor i studied in bangalore in a hostel i'm from a village but you know saturday sunday hostel is closed everybody goes home i don't have money to go home our hostel is closed so our uh, <clears throat> what is it canteen is also closed and i don't have money to buy food from outside i come from a very poor family so saturday sunday i don't eat that's it and she said one day for some reason uh, one of my friends said anyway you're free in the hostel i'm a christian i go to church why don't you join me so she said of course so she said you know i have never gone to a church i'm not a christian because my friend invited me i also came to the church she said when i came to church it hit me so strong i felt so nice and the thing is i could understand what is going on there it was not just some rituals it was not just something but it was something that connected with me she said i started coming every sunday because this girl my friend would pay the bus fare or auto fare so at her expense i started coming she would anyway come so she just took me along 
Then she said, Sunday I noticed one thing. Sunday after all the services are over, late in the afternoon, some people get food to eat. She said, I know. Now some of you don't know that. Because you are VIP. You come and you go. <laughs> but, but there are VVIPs, very, very important people, who come in the morning, they make sure the place is clean, they arrange everything, and they stay back till the third service or till the fourth service in the evening. And for such volunteers, we provide lunch for them every Sunday. It's only for the... Don't hang around unnecessarily. <laughs> it's only for such people that we provide lunch. And she noticed that. She asked few people, uh, lunches, they said it's only for volunteers. So she straight away became volunteer. She was crying when she said this. She said to get lunch on a Sunday because Saturday I get no food. Sunday, I don't have money to buy food. She said, I might as well be a, you know, volunteer in church. So I'll get something to eat on a Sunday. She became a volunteer in church just to eat on a Sunday. And now that Sunday she was getting food, she decided even if my friend doesn't come to church, I'll come. I'll do some work in church so I'll get something to eat. So she disguised herself as a volunteer and began to eat. That was her only aim. But slowly she began to study the Bible. She was crying. She said, Pastor, today I've come to ask you for prayer. Me and my husband, my children, we are traveling to the West. We've become successful. God blessed us so much. We never thought like this. From my husband's family, from my family, from our whole village, we are the first ones to go outside of India. We are so blessed. Earlier, all our families used to laugh at us saying, you have left your religion, you are useless. But today, they respect us, they value us because they've seen our life changing. Then I told her, so many good stories you're saying, but you're crying. You should be laughing. Why are you crying? She said, we are crying because we have to leave the church. I said, cry. No problem. Makes sense. <laughs> I feel good. Cry. <laughs> when God's word comes into your life, it has a transforming effect. It makes you think differently. It makes you understand differently. It makes you postulate differently. The direction of your life begins to change because God's word is profitable. Hallelujah. God's word is profitable. It corrects us. It reshapes us. It molds us. We should be willing to submit to God's word. Please do not read God's word. Please study God's word. Please listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and see how it can be applied to every situation of our life. I love this word. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Sometimes God's word will break us. When I'm preaching, suddenly you feel, ah, oh, no, he hurt me. That's not me, sister. That's not me, brother. It's the word of God that breaks like a hammer, breaks the rock. Sometimes his word is like a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Consuming fire. You know, silversmiths, how they cleanse silver. Interesting picture. When somebody shared this with me, I kind of liked it. The traditional way of how silver is purified is very interesting. Silver is purified through a very simple way. There is a temperature controlled kind of fire in which the silversmith takes the silver and holds it in a special spoon over the fire. As the fire keeps burning the silver, all the dirt gets oxidized. 
And the sil- how does the silversmith know when to stop burning it? How does he know when to stop purifying it? Because when the silversmith is looking at the silver carefully, kept in the fire, at one point, when it's become fully pure, the smith, silversmith can almost see his reflection in the silver. Then he knows it's time to take it out. How do we know God's word is cleansing us? How long does God's word cleanse us? How long does the word of his fire keep burning things around us? The moment when Christ is reflected in us, you know it's time to pull out. That's the beautiful thing. God's word has a consuming effect on the negative things of our life. His word is a cleansing word. Somebody shout a big amen. Proverbs chapter 3 is the last verse, verse 1 and 2. Let's read. My son, my daughter, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. When you follow the word of God, you can be sure of a few things. You're going to live a longer life. You're going to live a healthier life. You're going to see your life. You don't need tranquilizers and drugs to keep you happy. You're going to have God's joy and peace in your life simply because you submitted to God's holy word. There are two characters that I want to share with you and I'm done. One is a guy called Solomon. The other is his father, David. Solomon, smart guy, huh? His initial, initial name was Jediah or something like that. Smart chap. Born in a scandal, but sweet chap. Some good things about him, I'll tell you. One is, uh, he is the only son of David who never did anything to become a king. All the other fellows were rogues of the class one order. Oof. One fellow's name, Absalom, tried to kill his own father, David, and become a king. Another fellow, I don't know his name, a fellow raped his own sister, David's children. What all? If you read the Bible, some characters are so lousy, I tell you. And why did God put those names in the Bible? To give you and me hope. <laughs> that if God could work with them, surely... Some chance we have. You know, really, I feel God picked up specimens. But many people, they take a name from the Bible and they'll, you know, put off that name for their children. First, you check what is the meaning of the name. Because all names in the Bible are not great. Some are, uh, the other day, one child, they named, they said, we want to name him Elkanah. So I prayed, God protect him from Penina. Anna is enough. <laughs> In another city. In Bible, all names are not great. God picked up interesting names as in people with... Uh, not plain back, checkered background. Why? Because God wants us to know he is willing to shape anybody who submits to him. So Solomon is the only fellow who waited patiently. His point was, if God wants me to be a king, he'll make me a king. So that was good and it happened. And when he became a king, he was so disciplined. He kept time every day, opened the courts on time, sat and received all the people promptly. He studied meticulously various matters of environment and life. In fact, many of us, once we get a position, the last thing we'll do is to touch another book. The day we graduated, we said goodbye to books. 
But look at Solomon. After becoming a king, he studied more. He understood that he needs to grow. So those are good things about him. He was one of the rarest kings in Israel who never went for war. Solomon is the only king in Israel who avoided war. I'll tell you how we avoided war. That was not good. He was not stressed at all. But what are the things he lacked? When you study one major thing he lacked was God's word. Even the wisest people, when you lack God's word, your entire wisdom goes into destruction. God's word is required. This fellow Solomon, too many women in his life, marriages, too many. Like that he got spoiled. He had 1,000 wives. Anybody here more than one wife? <laughs> one only is, you know, how important it is. 1,000. Sometimes I wonder how he knew the name of all wives. Sheila or Stella or uh, Sheila. You don't know my name? Oh, no, no. Then counselor will say, no, this is latest. So I, I wanted to know why this fellow went on a collection spree of wives. So I understood. Actually, it is not like he was uh, wanting more wives. No, that is a wrong picture people paint about Solomon. So what happened is those days, kingdoms made peace with each other by gifting the woman in their palace. So a uh, king of Hiram, okay, it's a king in the Bible, a uh, king of Hittites, king of Pharaoh uh, of Egypt. So to make peace, what they'll do, they will uh, talk and then from Egypt, they will send two ladies. You know, that is the daughters of Pharaoh. You know, one or two they'll send as a gift so that there will be no war between the nations. That's how he, he made peace with all kingdoms. So what happened is all of them kept sending, you know, uh, gifts, which are women. <laughs> Very sad, no? Hiram, for example, you know, or Jehoiakim or some of those neighboring kingdoms. Solomon, we're sending you a new gift. Old one would have become old model. So we're sending you a new like that. So they would keep sending. Like that, he had thousand. Now, it's very sad when I say this. Now, when you go to Big Bazaar, you'll get two coupons, right? So like that, they used to give a woman as a gift to bring peace. Woman, do you know who gave you dignity? This is how the world used to work. This is how religions used to work. Jesus came and changed the entire thing. The greatest woman's emancipator was Jesus Christ. He came and told, the day we created, we created them equal. Man and woman, equal, created in the image of God. He created them equal in the image of God. He was very strong. That's why they crucified him. Because in the Jewish community, they don't allow a woman any respect. Jesus stood against it. The Romans considered women to be a property. Jesus said, no. In fact, the Lord Jesus had woman disciples with him. The early church was insulted by the Jewish people because the early church had woman preachers. And so the Jewish people used to say, how can this be a right religion when you allow women to succeed? If you look at Christian nations, women have equal rights like men. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. Amen. 
Are you following what I am teaching you? Jesus delivered women because God created them in his image. Hmm. Eight women understood. God bless you. <laughs> but women understand one thing. Why these kings exchanged women? Because where women go, there will be peace. To avoid war. I want to ask a question. Now that you have come into that man's life as a woman, is there peace? <laughs> so God... Solomon had this big problem that with all these relationships... Sometimes when I'm preaching here and God is speaking to my heart, my brain goes on another trip and I keep <laughs> thinking of so many other experiences in my life. But anyway, I'm not going to say any of those things. <laughs> Solomon, this guy, you know, he had this uh, collection with him, which not, he, he necessarily didn't know everybody. But the, these were status. It was a status. It was a diplomatic thing that was happening in the palace. I'll give you an example. Okay, now uh, Solomon had a problem. In the kingdom of Israel, he ruled from Jerusalem. His palace was in Jerusalem. And he built the temple of God in Jerusalem. But close by, there were the, I think it was the Jebusites. A group of Palestinians who were not willing to go. And Solomon didn't want to fight with them. So what he did, he called the Pharaoh's daughters. Already his wife. So he called them and said, Call Papa and say, we need him to come and fight those fellows. They are creating problem. So Solomon didn't fight. These girls said, Papa, come and fight. So father-in-law comes. True story. You study the history of the Bible. Solomon called Pharaoh. Pharaoh from Egypt came and fought these fellows and threw them out and gave it to uh, Solomon because Solomon is son-in-law. This fellow was clever. He never fought anyone directly. Indirect. You want to learn office politics? Solomon. <laughs> so <laughs> Solomon. He is, he is very super smart. But how, how did such a smart guy become the most, most sad king of Israel? How did, by the end of his 40 years of rule, Israel had a civil war and became two nations. By the time his son Rehoboam took over the seat, it became two countries. There was Israel with 11 tribes and Judah as a separate tribe. Why? How did that happen? Because of the big mistake Solomon made. Being the wisest guy, having every resource in his hand, he kept away from God's word. Brothers and sisters, every blessing God has given us, if you separate it from God's word, it may not be constructive, it can turn destructive. He kept away from God's word. How did he keep away from God's word? He avoided priest and he avoided the prophet. A priest would speak God's word on relating with God and a prophet would speak God's word in handling the future. Neither about handling the future nor about relating with God. He had God's word and therefore with everything around him, he was a destroyed personality. But you, this is one thing I want to tell you. He built the largest temple in Israel. He built the temple of God. Except for the inaugural day, you will never see Solomon again. Solomon was never in the temple. Why? 
Because he didn't put his time, talents or treasure there. Men and women, let's learn to put our time, our talent and our treasure, our finances, learn to put it in the house of God. Because if you don't, the devil will find a way to put it somewhere else. Take some of your time, take some of your talents, take some of your treasures and put it in the house of God and say, God, I want to make sure that your kingdom is a part of my life. That's the way you make sure the devil has no foothold in your life. You can be the smartest, but if you don't keep God's word, if you don't invest into honoring God, chances are without your knowledge, you will end up honoring the devil. Don't you allow that? Let's compare it with David. David, <laughs> scandal after scandal in his life. He is foolish like, who is Solomon? David's byproduct. David did such a, this David's story of Solomon's birth is a Hollywood scandal standard. It is terrible. It is shameful. I don't want to preach about it. It is so terrible. But why is it that David's name is so revered and honored? Why? Why is it that even Jesus, when he was born, said, I am the son of David? Why? Why is it God wanted to keep David's name alive? Because even though he would do the most stupid mistakes and violent mistakes, he would go to God's word. And when God's word would correct him, he would fall before God and say, I repent, O oh God. I'm ready to change, O oh God. And God said, a broken reed I will not destroy and a, smacking, a smoking flax I will never put off. God's got a heart of picking up anybody who fall before his word. And this morning shall we say, God, I don't want to surrender before Christianity. I want to surrender before your word. Close your eyes and say, Father, I want to surrender before your word. I want to not only learn your word, but I want to honor your word by practicing it in my life. I thank you that your word rewards. I thank you that no one who obeys you will ever be put to shame. When I go through challenges, when I go through pain, when I go through shame, help me to submit to your word. Help me to honor your word. Help me to be completely in submission to your word. Help me, Lord Jesus. Let me not customize, let me not interpret the word of God to suit my lifestyle. No, no, no. But let me change my lifestyle to suit and be obedient to God's word. Help me, Father God, to be transformed from within. Thank you that there is power of healing. There is power of deliverance. There is power of change in your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word can transform me. Hallelujah. Change me from within. Change me, transform me. Sunday after Sunday. I don't want anything to stop me from coming to church. I want to study your word. And I want to put it into practice through the week. I want to trust you, God. Your word has your power behind it. The book of Ecclesiastics, where the word of a king is, there is power. You are the king of kings. 
your word has your power. I receive your power in my life. I receive your promise in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a Christian just because I'm born to Christians. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to experience your word in my life. I want to be committed to you, Lord. And I want your word to bear fruit in my life. Heaven and earth may pass away. Your word will never pass away. You are a faithful God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, this beautiful day we thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. While we are unworthy, you made us worthy. You've given us your word. Help us, O oh Father, that in this city, our life will be to your glory. We'll be victorious. We'll be successful. We'll see the reward of obeying your word so that your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and the people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.